As I was figuring out the, the, the next sermon series coming up here to, to try to start, I got to thinking of all the difficult things we have had to endure this year so far. Um, if you think about it, and there's a lot of stuff, you probably could make a, a good journal out of it, and I would encourage you to do so. Uh, just to start at the beginning of the year and how everything went, maybe start at the end of last year and how you're anticipating some things, but then all the different things that went on through this year so far that you've had to endure, that you'd ha- you had to go through. Um, write those down. Make a list of those things. And then you can probably go back and take a look already how God has provided, how God has directed you and led you in some of these things. Um it reminds me of, of our first year here at Happy Valley, 2004, the summer of 2004. We did the same thing. We wrote down all the different things that went on this uh, on that, that year, and uh, it was just incredible. All the different obstacles and different difficulties that we went through, and uh, God was able to bring us through those. We look back on those 16 years ago, and uh, we see how God guided and directed in that. Uh, you know, it was the first time we owned a house, and also, too, after the first one fell through, it was also, too, a, a, a time of homeless homelessness as we were kind of nomads for about six weeks in that summertime. Some of you housed us in that summer as well, too, and appreciate that. Uh, first time pastorate for me, coming out of youth ministry. And it was also, too, the, the year that our van was totaled, and we were without that. Uh, ordination service for me went on. So there's a lot of stuff that went on in 2004, just in the summertime of 2004. Um, It seems like that summer was preparing us for this year of 2020. But uh, anyway, a lot of difficulties, a lot of situations have gone on that as I was thinking about this sermon series to come, what could be something that God wants to speak to us about, wants to encourage us through, and I couldn't get away from all the difficulties that we've been going through. And I thought of a book that uh, um, that I've, I've read, and it's a very good one to help us through. And I, it, it was my thoughts were drawn to this book, and a book written by Steve Deneff, and it's entitled Fault Lines. Um, before this book, he co-wrote a book with uh, Keith Drury entitled Soul Shift, and. Um, you know, we uh, we went through that as a church. Mark Durkoop and I preached a series on that as well. We went back and forth every other Sunday and uh, went through that. It was a few years back. The Soul Shift, that book, was written to describe seven fundamental changes that must take place in every believer's life, uh, transforming each into a new person. Just as, as uh, uh, fault lines are the cause of earthquakes, uh, there are spiritual fault lines that cause these soul shifts, and that's what this book was talking about. And Steve Deneff describes these fault lines as periods of great upheaval that are always disruptive, always unfair, but not always bad, and will either make us better or worse. Does that describe 2020 so far? Seems like it to me. Uh, but the premise of, of the book Fault Lines that we're going to look at in these next few weeks is that we all face challenges in our lives that either make us or they break us. And these challenges gives us, give us opportunities to grow in Christ and be transformed into God's image. Now the concept for the book came from a desire to know how the people of Deneff's church grew spiritually. 
um, they discovered four things from these interviews with their people. One, spiritual growth for most people doesn't occur, occur on a steady incline, but through a series of growth spurts. It, people grow spiritually like they grow physically. Just think about it. In your own spiritual walk, there have been growth spurts in your life that has caused you to grow closer to God. And in those moments, they were they were like growth spurts in that moment. There are seasons of growth. And uh, and you experience those, those moments in your life spiritually. There are seasons when we grow a lot, but most of the time uh, we don't. There's, there's just... Uh, moments where we kind of stay the same, but then we hit something and, and on we go, we grow, and then we grow. The second thing that they found out in the interview of the people of their church there, they, they found out that spiritual growth doesn't come from what we planned, but from managing events and circumstances that we didn't plan. <laughs> so there, there, there are those unknown moments that come our way. We don't grow from things that we make happen, but from things that happen to us. Think about it. Just think about it this, this year, right? All the things that have happened to us have caused us to have an opportunity to grow in Christ. The thing is, is that our response, this is what they discovered too in, in their interview, our response is what causes us to grow or not. How we, how we respond to those uh, circumstances that we didn't plan. A third thing that they discovered in, in this interview is that people grow more under harsh conditions than under normal conditions. And that seems pretty pretty common. Uh, you probably could figure that one out too. But the fastest growth spurts happen in the most hated moments. They look back on those situations that they grew in Christ and they were like, ah, yeah, I, I didn't like that situation at all. They would, they would express themselves in that way. And then the fourth thing they found out in interviewing these people have, of the church is that most people grow not from information, but from interpretation. Uh, the growth doesn't come from, from new information. Just because you are informed more doesn't mean you're going to grow spiritually. But it's basically how the information is interpreted. So you're given information. How are you going to respond to that? And that determines how we will grow in Christ or not. Very interesting. And in those interviews that Steve Deneff and his staff conducted with their congregation, they also noticed some common themes that allowed them to condense the many fault lines of life into seven fundamental fault lines that we all experience. They are described as follows. He described seven of them. And uh, one of them is the call. A call is an invitation to partner with God in something he is doing and it requires us to let go of something we are doing. So it interrupts our life in a way. We are, we are drafted into a new life, but tempted to bring as much with us from the old life as we can. And uh, here we are chosen to do more than, with our lives than we imagined. So it's all on God, the call. Then there's a crisis. A crisis is the sudden loss of something we have loved or trusted. It is ripped from our hands before we can let go of it, and we are tempted to become angry or defensive. But here we are called to put down stakes that will make us deeper and more convinced of our faith. So there's the fault line of crisis. There's the fault line of conflict. Conflict occurs when we are subject, over time, to things demeaning or unfair. Uh, and we are tempted to let those things define us. 
In our struggle to be free, we sometimes seek revenge in the form of justice, right? But here we are called to a new identity and to something even better than justice. So, the fault line of conflict. Then there's the fault line of compromise. Compromise is a wilderness where the temptation to sin seems relentless, just bombarding us. Uh, in our weakness, we are confronted with extraordinary opportunities, but here we are called to take back the wilderness of our lives. So that's, that's the fault line of compromise. Then there's the fault line of failure. Fault line of failure is the dark prison of rejection, the, the feeling that we are inadequate, inferior, and all alone. We are tempted to let this failure define us and minimize our imperfections, but we are called to confront them instead and to pursue a different kind of perfect. So that's the, uh, the fault line of failure. Then there's the fault line of fortune, which I thought was quite interesting. Fault line of fortune is basically an unexpected and undeserved turn of events that improves our lot. We are tempted to own it, tempted to trust it, but instead we are called to leverage it for something God is doing in this world. So there's the fault line of fortune. Then there's the fault line, finally, of death. Death is the ultimate separation from everything we have known. Uh, a, a, a movement from seen to unseen, from certainty to uncertainty, and the soul must decide where it is most at home. Where are they? Where is it most at home there? And like all, all, all people, we are tempted to leave our roots in this world, but we are called to grow more roots in another world, in heaven. So that is the fault line of death. So all these seven fault lines come together through these eight weeks, and we're going to discover life's fault lines and unpack these seven fundamental faults in life that, that we all experience, and then learn to embrace and leverage them Letting perseverance finish its work, as James chapter 1, verses, verse 4 says, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, each Sunday, we'll look into the life of a biblical character who had to deal with life's fault line and, be then, and then be confronted with the question, when life comes crashing in, will this break my faith or will it make it? So it's a good question that we'll be looking at at the end of each uh, time we're here together in these Sundays to come. But today we're going to be looking at uh, growing, spiritual growth. What does that look like? Now, if you gather a large group of mature adults together, you would find they varied in age. They varied in height, in education, in social standing, economic, economic status, uh, their interests, their needs, their jobs and also health conditions too. But they would have one thing in common. All of them would have reached their maximum vertical growth potential. They would not grow any further. And uh, the, the door jam would only go, that mark would only go so far and there it would end and everyone would meet their, their, their maximum vertical growth. And if you gathered a large group of Christian adults together, you would find they had at least two things in common, at least. One is a faith in Jesus as their Savior, and two, the need to grow spiritually. Now, fortunately, spiritual growth is not only necessary, but also possible. So I want to share three things about spiritual growth with you today, just three things, and uh, then we'll be on our way 
and you guys can watch football if you're not watching it already. Uh, but you can watch watch that afterwards. Anyway, so three things about spiritual growth with uh, uh, for us today. Well, first, spiritual growth is goal oriented. Spiritual growth is goal oriented. Uh, one goal of spiritual growth is to be like Jesus. Uh, although some believers might think God saved us to make us happy and healthy and wealthy, He saved us so we might be, as Romans chapter eight verse twenty nine says conformed to the image of his son. God's ultimate goal for us is to make us like Christ. As we become more and more like him, we discover our true selves, the persons we were created to be. Now, the Apostle Paul deeply longed for the Christians of Galatia to become like Jesus. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, it tells us that Paul was in the pains of childbirth until Christ was formed in them. And you know, there are people in our lives that feel the same way. There are parents that are just yearning for their child and their, and their, and their, and their uh, all their children to come to Christ, to live for him. There are grandparents that are also doing the same thing. There are friends in your life that are feeling the pain and, and praying for you and and wanting you to do the right things. And you better believe there's there are pastors and this pastor and youth pastors as well as our youth pastor too, Brandon and Katie, that are praying as well too. And, and praying in, in the pains of, of childbirth, basically, as, as Paul mentions, uh, until Christ is formed in you. There are people in our lives that are doing that. And we need to realize that it is important for us to be formed into the image of Christ. And just as a sculptor molds clay into the image uh, he or she has, has in mind, so God, as well, molds his children into the image of Christ. We are clay in, in the potter's hands. Have you ever seen a potter mold clay before? It, it's quite violent at times taking that glob of clay and then slamming it down on the platform there and then squishing it and binding it and tearing it apart and squishing it together and all these things and squeezing it and, and cutting off some things that don't need to be on there. Uh, it's just incredible if you watch a potter do that. Um, the thing is, is that in our lives, just like the clay that goes through squeezing and pulling, pushing and cutting away, we, too, as God's children, go through challenges, go through trials and difficulties that squeeze us, that form us, that, that push us and pull us apart and all those things. But all these things, difficulties and trials, have the potential of forming us into the image of Christ. And so my question for you is, how has that process gone for you? How are you dealing with that? Are you doing all right? Because this year has probably been more squeezing and pushing and pulling and cutting away than we, than we probably would want. So the process is continuing on and God is forming you in and through these difficulties. The other goal of uh, spiritual growth is to glorify God glorify God. Now, when Jesus was troubled by 
thoughts of his death. His desire was to glorify God. In John chapter 12, verses 27 and 28, he says, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So every fault line basically is an hour where our souls are troubled. And this question that is before us is, what shall we say? What are we going to do, right? And there are two possible answers to that question. One answer is control, and control that says, Father, save me from this hour. And then there's the other answer of trust. And trust says, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. Steve Deneff said this in his book. He said, it may seem awkward at first, but if we could learn to trust God instead of taking control in these situations, we could actually become more aligned with the kingdom of God in the seasons when our souls are troubled. I'm sure this is a season where your soul has been troubled many times. Are you taking control? Have you taken control of these situations? Or are you trusting God? Then there's, uh, so spiritual growth. is It's goal-oriented in being like Jesus and glorifying God. Then there's the second thing of spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is gradual. Spiritual growth is gradual. An athlete can't get out on the track and expect to perform at his or her highest uh, uh, performance. It takes practice. It takes workouts over time to gradually get to the level of peak performance. You're not going to have Brianna run out there on the track and do her 400 all at one, all of a sudden without even doing a lot of practice or workouts and expect her to get a great time, a record time. It takes those practices and, and workouts and conditioning to get her to that point. And as Christians, we can't expect to suddenly obtain spiritual growth overnight and just suddenly be fully like Jesus. We cannot take a pill or receive an injection that will instantly make us fully like Jesus. It doesn't happen that way. Our sanctification will not be complete until we see Jesus face to face, as 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 tells us. So how does gradual spiritual growth happen? Well, the Holy Spirit, first of all, the Holy Spirit gradually transforms us into the image of Christ. That's what is going on in your life these days. God doesn't expect us to achieve spiritual growth on our own. He, as in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, has given us everything we need to lead a godly life. And <laughs> there's bad news and good news in that. The thing is, the bad news is we are without excuse because he's given us everything we need. The good news is we have all we need to grow in Christ, to lead a godly life. So be encouraged. He has made us participants in the divine nature, as uh, verse 4 mentions in, in that same portion of Scripture. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, tells us we share in his holiness. Interestingly enough, uh, in that portion of Scripture, through God's discipline in our lives. But also he has given us his spirit, who transforms us into the image of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, 
which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is is helping us grow and, and brings us through that gradually and, 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 and leads us into that. Gradual spiritual growth also happens through fault lines, which provide opportunities to grow spiritually. And we're going to get into these fault lines soon, but just as earthquakes occur along, along fault lines and are caused by shifts deep in the earth, spiritual fault lines bring change to our lives. Fault lines are those unexpected adverse circumstances that shake our lives. And 2020, the year 2020, has been full of fault lines for you, I'm sure, as you've discovered. They come into our lives without any invitation. <laughs> we don't invite them in there. And although then they give us opportunity for spiritual growth. Now we'll get into these uh, uh, more specifically in the following Sundays and the weeks ahead. But just realize that no matter how intense the fault lines may be, God can use them for our good and for his glory. As Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So as we suffer, we develop steadfastness, and, and that quality deepens our character. And, and, and a deepened and tested character results in hope and, and a confidence that God will see us through. So it's all developing us and all helping us through this. Uh, the spiritual growth happens in this way for our good. So fault lines for our good. And then 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So genuine, genuine faith, spiritual growth, isn't only valuable to followers of Jesus, but it will also bring praise and glory and honor to God. So fall lines for the glory of God as well. And spiritual growth. So spiritual growth is a gradual process guided by the Holy Spirit and the fault lines that occur, occur in our lives. And then thirdly, spiritual growth is assisted by daily practices. Spiritual growth is assisted by daily practices. Now, the, the, the North Clackamas Christian School soccer team last year didn't get to be the league champions by just showing up on the field in each game and playing. They had to go through daily practices, daily workouts, to, to develop their skills and also the ability to work together as a team. In the same way, we can't expect to grow spiritually as God intends if we don't put time into the spiritual disciplines. Here are just a few of those practices we should consider, some of those spiritual disciplines. The practice of reading and obeying God's Word. Not just reading, but also obeying God's Word. Jesus emphasized the role of God's Word in our spiritual growth. In John chapter 17, verse 17, he says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. 
as the message uh, about Jesus was heard and was believed and understood, the disciples' hearts and, and, their, and their minds were captured. This change in their thinking resulted in changes in their living. And the same is true of followers of Jesus today. As we lay claim to God's word in our lives, we are sanctified and set apart for God and changed in our living in order to honor God. Peter also emphasized the role of God's word in our spiritual, spiritual growth. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So once we see our need for God's word and begin to find nourishment in Christ, our spiritual appetite will increase and we will start to mature. So God's word is very, very elemental in, in the spirit or spiritual growth. And then, of course, uh, you know, simply just reading God's word is enough. We need to obey it. And also, too, if you just have a, a Bible in your house or on your shelf, or if you've got a number of them, all different translations, maybe even from different countries, uh, having those Bibles, it doesn't cause us to grow spiritually. Just having them there. It's not by osmosis, okay? We must read it, and we must obey it. Read it and heed it, basically. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, talks about that. The question is asked, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So God's word is very integral in our lives, in our spiritual growth, but also the obedience of God's word is even more so. We can't remain pure and grow spiritually on our own. We must have guidance and strength that is more dynamic than the tempting influences that are all around us in this world. The psalmist here is telling us that the only way we can find that strength and find that wisdom is by reading God's Word and doing what it says. So reading it and doing it. So by equipping ourselves with God's Word, we, we also successfully ward off uh, the devil's attacks, as Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 talks about. Then there's another daily practice that we can look at, not only reading God's Word and obeying it, but another daily practice that assists us in our spiritual growth is the practice of prayer. It's so important. And I, hopefully you guys on uh, yesterday was able to get in on some of those uh, online moments of uh, prayer that was happening in our nation's capital. It was great looking at those things and how uh, not only Franklin Graham, but other groups were coming around and uh, they're rallying for prayer for our country and our nation. Uh, but, you know, the practice of prayer is very integral in our spiritual growth. In addition to equipping ourselves with God's word, we ought to be, as Ephesians 6, chapter 18 says, we need to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. A children's chorus pretty much holds the key to spiritual growth. That chorus counsels us to read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. It is true. <laughs> From childhood, we've known this, and it is true. So, are you ready for spiritual growth in your life? A spiritual growth that is goal-oriented? 
in being like Jesus and glorifying God? A spiritual growth that is a gradual process guided by the Holy Spirit and the fault lines that occur in our lives. A spiritual growth that is assisted by the daily practices of reading and obeying God's word and of praying uh, and of prayer. If you are ready, if you're ready for spiritual growth in your life like that, then buckle in and let's let's cooperate with the Holy Spirit in his ministry of assisting our spiritual growth. And when these fault lines occur, and when these fault lines have occurred, and they will continue to occur, let's submit to the Holy Spirit. Let's glorify God. Let's seek God's wisdom and rely on His Word and definitely pray. If you're ready to join in on a spiritual growth tour with us, come join us these next number of Sundays and discover the fault lines that are in our lives that we need to respond to in a way that will produce spiritual growth in us, a transformation in our lives. So if you're ready, uh, I'm ready, and we'll go at that in the following Sundays. But let's pray and ask God to continue to guide us in those things uh, and, and help us grow in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for leading us in this time and speaking to us about the need to grow spiritually and what that looks like. And I would pray, Lord, that you'd continue to remind us that as we do so, that we need to cling to you closely. And Lord, that as we go through these fault lines, these difficulties and challenges through our lives, and especially this year, Lord, I pray that we would be able to let go of those things not be con- be controlling of these things, but to let go and to trust you. So help us, Lord, to uh, um, head in the right direction when these fault lines happen in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through these Sundays to come, that you would speak to each of our hearts uh, and address those fault lines that maybe, Lord, we're struggling with, that we need to let go and, uh, and to trust in you for. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for guiding us. And thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to be with us as we uh, follow you closely. We love you, Lord, so very much. In your name we pray. Amen.